1: And now, it's time to get to work.
0: All right, Ian, uh, this is episode 199, the WTF edition of MHR Radio Podcast. I don't know what to say here. We did our postgame recap uh, after the Thursday night debacle, and I I think most people are still shaking their heads uh, in regards to what happened against the Chiefs, and uh, you can tell by what's going on in the news today that uh, there's, there are some things shaking up at, uh, at at Mile High.
1: And, of course, that's in reference to Tuesday afternoon's news that Emmanuel Sanders has been traded to the Denver Broncos along with a fifth-round pick. In return, the Broncos are getting a third and a fourth-round pick. And I think it's important to say thank you to Emmanuel Sanders because the heart that he exhibited whenever he was on the field was a big factor for the Broncos. I think it was contagious for the offense over his time in Denver. I think it was contagious for the defense, the work that he put in the drive that he has came to epitomize that team that won a super bowl in 2015 and should be what fans remember for his career as a Denver Bronco,
0: absolutely, it's uh, it's well put. Um, obviously, uh, it's not it's not ideal. I think for for most Bronco fans, I, you know, Broncos country was was sort of holding on to hope. I think that the Denver Broncos were going to turn things around this year, and that two game winning streak uh, prior to whatever you want to call the Thursday night loss to the Chiefs. Uh, really, really inspired a lot of people to think that maybe, maybe things were turning around and and perhaps uh, they were going to go on a little run. And I, I think that what you walked away from on that Thursday night was just the reality of where this team actually is. And so, a, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who uh, isn't under contract for next year and is a an over thirty veteran, he's obviously going to be someone that you put out on the trading block, and it's it's time for the Broncos to. Uh, start building draft capital. the The notion that we are getting ready to enter what is it, week seven? Am I right about that? <laughs> and it is week seven, and, and it's already fire sale time. The season is over, and it's not even halfway. is Is disheartening and disappointing, but at the same time, in regards to Emmanuel Sanders. I loved everything about him. I, my son asks me all the time for an Emmanuel Sanders jersey. I guess the nice thing about this is they will be cheaper and I'll be able to snag one, which I like, um, but it is disappointing. And and I think what's really disappointing about this trade is what it actually is a prelude to. And it's a, it's a prelude to losing some guys that people in Broncos country have grown accustomed to cheering for, like a Chris Harris Jr., like a Derek Wolf, like a... I don't know, name name some names. Obviously, I don't know that anybody's name isn't on the block unless it's somebody who is a younger player like, you know, rookies and second year guys and, and some of the guys that are under contract. But if you're a veteran who's been with the Denver Broncos for more than a couple of years and your contract is what your contract is, you're probably on the trading block. And you're probably going to be uh, sent to hopefully for you a better situation, at least for this season. Uh, I, I think that's what happened with Emmanuel Sanders. They were able to work something out with the Niners, and good for him because they are they are a, st- a solid team. And I don't want to talk about the 49ers right now because it's frustrating to see how good they are, and Emmanuel Sanders
1: is, is going to go experience that. In terms of the draft capital that you mentioned, the Broncos now have three third-round picks on top of two fourth-round picks. So that's capital that you can utilize to potentially move up depending on other moves they make and players they ship. And as you said, I think you need to be open to trading everybody unless it's a younger player, and that includes Von Miller. You have to at least keep the the conversation open. As you mentioned before we started recording, you get that Dallas Cowboys-Herschel Walker deal that allows you to completely revamp your franchise.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, it and it doesn't that doesn't feel good either, right? I think that for for a lot of us and myself included, you look at a guy like Von Miller. Uh, you know, he's a part of the Century Sack Club. He's been uh, a huge part of of Broncos history uh, as far as what he has contributed since he came into the league. And most of us, I think, would rather see him retire wearing orange and blue. Uh, most of us would rather see him uh, give his, you know, farewell speech from from somewhere in Dove Valley. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I think of, you know, when John Elway retired and, and his speech and when Peyton Manning retired. Peyton Manning retired as a Denver Bronco. Uh, you know, a lot of people might forget that. And it's what you want to see for Von Miller. And, and the fact is, I don't think that that's what's going to happen the more that we get into this season. I, I do not believe they will trade him this year. Because I don't believe that they are um, ready for that media storm that that is going to come from that. But if a if a franchise called and said we'll give you two first round picks, two second round picks, two third round picks, and cash considerations, yes, yeah, go ahead. So uh, you know, I know that in in Joe's uh, roundtable that uh you and i both uh, put some put some stuff into that round table uh you know we both answered the question would you trade von miller why or why not and my initial response was i would not trade von miller and for a lot of those reasons unless you're receiving a a, a king's ransom but at the same time what is a king's ransom what are people going to be willing to send to the denver broncos in return for these uh, players because they know the Denver Broncos are a dying organization,
1: and I I think to be clear, the Broncos aren't going to trade Von Miller this year because the dead cap hit is like twenty million.
0: It's a it's a big number.
1: They're not they're not going to eat that, and I don't think as you said, I don't think Elway and Ellis are going to be ready for that. Pardon my French shit storm that will ensue. Beep. Oh if, dang it! <laughs> if they do trade him. But as I said, I think you have to you you have to have an open mind because, as I said in my answer in my reply to Joe, I get the attachment and sentimentality to players, and it, it when you read Joe's piece and I'm not I'm not, knocking Joe for this, but it's always about what they did in the past. It's about what they did. In Super Bowl 50. It's what Von Miller did in that run-up to the Super Bowl and how he sacked Tom Brady four times. But if you look at the recent history, even with Von Miller the last three years, the Broncos have still sucked. And they're still going to suck even with Von Miller. And my attachment and sentimentality to players got completely jaded when even Pat Bowen. Released Steve Atwater. There is no more attachment or sentimentality for me to players now. It's a business that showed the cruel business that is the National Football League and the Denver Broncos when you release or not re sign one of the greatest Denver Broncos ever. And I would argue, even better than Von Miller in Steve Atwater.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, and it's it's interesting. Steve Atwater, friend of the show, uh, a guy who we've had on a couple of times. Who, uh, even saying that, I get very excited that I can say that because you know how much I, how big a fan I am of his, uh, and not just as a, a football player, but just as a person in general. Having had the opportunity to have that conversation with him, and it's interesting. His take on it was always, "Thank you." Right. He, he his sort of take on being. Uh, told by Pat Boland that he wasn't going to be a Denver Bronco anymore was thank you for the opportunity, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this, and so that's great, and and I think Von Miller would probably be somewhere in that same vein as far as a, a thank you for allowing him to to you know do the things that he was able to do for the Denver Broncos, but but quite honestly at this point you might actually be doing him a a, a better service, and I didn't talk about this in in my in my part uh, on Joe's piece, but I, it is something that sort of pops into my head here. You might be doing him a, a better service by trading him, by saying "Devon, we're going to find you a better place to play where you can have an impact and possibly, um, make, possibly make your name again somewhere else. And I think about a DeMarcus Ware, for example, who had a huge impact on the Dallas Cowboys. And then when he came over to the Denver Broncos, he was – an incredible player for the Denver Broncos. And he was a little further on in his career, but still had a huge impact and was a big part of the reason that the Broncos won Super Bowl 50 and that Von Miller became the player that Von Miller became. And he could go and do that with another franchise. And as as much as it hurts to say this, that might be the best thing for him and for the Broncos at this point, even though nobody that is listening to this and nobody that is talking about this really wants that or likes that idea you're you're absolutely right though when it comes to steve atwater that was that is one that if you if you're willing to move on from maybe one of the greatest safeties in the history of the nfl is von miller really off the table i, I don't think he can be not not even a little bit
1: and that's all that i'm saying i'm not saying Trade him. I'm not like 104.3 FM where trade Vaughn, hashtag trade Vaughn. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying have the line of communication open and be open-minded about that communication. And I I get it that there's going to be people listening to this podcast who are probably going to leave a nasty review on Apple Podcasts and say Adam and Ian are idiots, how they want to trade Vaughn Miller. What the hell is wrong with them? That's not what we're saying. We're just saying be open-minded. You have to be open to doing what's right for the team. And as you said in the process, Von Miller. Because the Broncos suck. They're going to continue to suck. And as much of a a game changer as Von Miller is, he hasn't exactly been that game changer the last three years because the team around him has sucked. So if you can get that Herschel Walker deal that Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys got, in the early nineties that turned them into the Dallas Cowboys, you have to be open to it. And that's all that we're saying.
0: Yeah, e- exactly. Um, I, I think we've said all we need to say about that. And if, if you're going to leave us a review on, on Apple podcasts or on iTunes do leave a nice one we like the nice ones, but if you, if you got a problem with it, you will know, I'll solve it anyway. Um, the, the other question that you of, Was that just a Vanilla Ice uh, reference? It was. I did – I slipped that in there. Uh, so, yeah, I plopped it out there and expected it to perform. Boom. It did. It definitely did. Uh, the other question that – one of the other questions that Joe asked for his his piece that I thought was interesting, and I'm just going to read the question. What have you thought of Joe Flacco's play for the Broncos so far this season? Should the Broncos start Drew Locke and when. And you, you actually, uh, and I, I think you have similar answers. So I, I, I guess I'll go ahead and let you give your
1: answer and then I'll give mine. So my response was more of a sarcastic tone to it. Yes, it was. The Broncos should file an immediate exemption to allow Drew Locke to not just practice, but to play this Sunday. Because all the evidence that Elway and the Broncos need to present to Roger Goodell and the league or any arbitrator that would hear it is Joe Flacco's play against the Chiefs. And anyone who would watch that would say, yeah, we should give the Broncos an exemption and Drew Locke is allowed to play. Anything that Joe Flacco did prior to Thursday night is irrelevant. Yeah,
0: Poignantly said and exactly correct. Uh, I, you know, I sort of said I don't know what else anybody needs to see, right? What What else do you need to see from Joe Flacco at this point? He gave up in that game. He quit on his team, and I, and I will give him one small little like excuse here. That offensive line played so poorly that he was under attack at all times. But my problem with Joe Flacco on this is. As a however-many-year veteran in the NFL, what are we on, year 12 or 11 or 13? At least 11. At least 11, right? I mean, it's been a long time. You don't know how to read defenses and pick up blitzes and know where a hot read is. You can't get rid of the football in 2.5 seconds like Derek Carr can. Think back to the Denver Broncos game against the Raiders. How quickly was Carr able to get the ball out, preventing the Broncos from getting to him on that Monday night to start the season? I mean, if it had been Joe Flacco back there instead of Carr, they'd have had a thousand sacks in that game. But instead it was it was Derek Carr and he knew where his hot reads were and he knew he needed to get rid of the football and so he did. And if you're Joe Flacco and you walk up to the line of scrimmage and you can't recognize that after an entire game of getting pounded into the ground that you're about to get pounded into the ground and you need to get rid of the football quickly, then get out. You're not trying anymore. That that that's the part that makes you go I've seen enough. I need nothing else here. I would rather see what the rookie can do. Put in Drew Locke. Let's see what he can do as soon as possible. Now I I I agree with you. There should be an exemption filed, but I know that that would never go through. And so just as soon as Drew Locke is available, Joe Flacco can take a seat. In fact, they could cut him. I don't care. I get him just send him home. Tell him he doesn't have to show up. They've got a backup that they clearly are fine with. Just make him be the backup for Drew Locke instead of Joe Flacco. What would the difference be?
1: Well, at this point, I don't even think that the Broncos are going to take Drew Locke off of IR. Because well, yeah. based on what John Elway said in the the conference call that he did with the media for the Emmanuel Sanders trade, Tim Patrick, he John Elway said that Tim Patrick will be ready and he's going to come off and play. After the bye. so that there's your there's, there's one, one of your two players to come off of IR. None of the other three guys even prac are, are practicing this week again. So that's going to delay the amount of time that that Lock has to practice before he can play because he has to practice two weeks before he can play, and there's a window where they have to get him off IR or they're not going to be able to practice, let alone play. And what a waste is it going to be if Drew Locke doesn't even practice this year? It is becoming abundantly clear, if that happens, that John Elway didn't learn a goddamn thing with the Paxton Lynch scenario.
0: That's an indictment right there. Yeah, you know, it's... It sort of takes us you know, over to a, a discussion that I think we maybe want to table for, for the bye week, which is coming up. And it, and it has to do with John Elway and his effectiveness as the vice president of football operations and general manager with all of the hats that he has on and whatnot. And, and I think, you know, uh, just by listening to the tone of the way that we've said things, the direction that we are facing uh, and, or at least that we are leaning when it comes to what we think should happen with John Elway. Now, that being said, uh, yeah, waste, wasteful. To not do something to get Drew Locke onto the field, because not only is it a problem not having him out there to see what he can do this season, you've got two drafts coming up that have some considerable considerable talent at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, the upcoming draft, the 2020 draft, with Tua and Herbert and Fromm, and uh, you know some of those other guys that, that some of the draft nicks would know uh, are certainly. Names that you would want to consider. And, and if you don't know what you have in Drew Locke now, you do you pick one of those guys if the opportunity presents itself? Because it looks like it will. Or do you wait until the 2021 draft and hope to win the Trevor Lawrence uh, lottery, if you will? Or do you try and set up... Uh, your draft picks so that you can trade to get into that number one pick and and get him. And at that point, how wasteful was the pick of Drew Locke uh, at, in, in the second round as your number two pick in the second round right behind Dalton Rice? There's so many things there that are so frustrating. And if you never play Drew Locke this year, what could you possibly know about what he can do in, a, in an NFL uniform? Nothing. You know nothing at this point. And
1: that's where the frustration comes in for sure. It's not even playing. He can't practice exactly. So you're not. You're basically just wasted a year because he's not even practicing. He's doing the whole VR thing, which is what Rich Scangarello has talked about doing the the, the, the virtual reality. But there's only so much that virtual reality is going to help when you're actually on the field doing it. Yeah, and feeling that, different. That's what's maddening about all of this is that I get that. I don't know if it's because he just doesn't know, but if you know one of the guys is Tim Patrick, the other one has to be Drew Locke, just for the simple fact that he needs reps. The only way he's going to get better is reps. And it's, even if he doesn't play, even if you're going to continue to hold out hope that Drew Locke is in the prime of his career. You mean Joe Flacco? Oh, yeah, that Joe Flacco was (laughs) in the prime of his career. The emotions run hot, you know. You have to give him reps in practice, and he can't even practice if you don't take him off of IR. Who who are the other,
0: so the other guys on IR, Devontae Bosby, Jake Butt, and then is there, it's Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick, thank you. I was, I was, I'm like, it's a little, you know, a little running back guy. Theo Riddick, you, you paid Theo Riddick a million dollars to injure his shoulder and sit there and do nothing. Isn't, doesn't it make sense that if you gave him that much money, though, that you ha- almost have to bring him back? Which means you're essentially saying that Drew Locke's rookie season is a wash. Is that, is
1: or or does that million dollars matter at this point? I don't think the only money that matters is Von Miller's dead money. Yeah, that's the only money that matters. Money does not matter anymore. You have to see what Drew Locke is capable of. And if if they. If, I, I just that that whole thing just baffles sure. me. It just baffles me. Boggles me. And them I'm hard. going to I'm going to be under the impression that they're not going to take Drew Locke off. And my guess is they'll actually probably do Jake Butt. The way this is going, they'll probably do Jake Butt <laughs> because they're going to continue to hold out hope that his deranged knees are going to somehow hold up and he's going to be like Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski. Sure. I love I love the idea of his knees being deranged,
0: like they're just they're just out murdering people. <laughs> that would uh, be great. They're not normal. They're, no, they're murdering his career is what they're doing, uh, which is they're murdering bad. the Broncos and they're murdering the Broncos uh, season. They're going to well. murder
1: Drew Locke's potential career yes. in the so NFL. So
0: deranged knees is is apt in this particular scenario. So I I do have to revisit something. It's going to be week eight, not week. Thank seven. you. I know I I'm you know what I was doing? I was looking at my fantasy stuff. That's what that was the problem. And I was on week 7 and I'm like, "Wait, is this this I don't you know, even want to talk about it because I had a bad week in fantasy. I needed 25 points out of Sony Michelle and he didn't get it for me. What a jerk. He only got to like 22 something and so I ended up losing. I don't want to talk about it. Sony Michelle, what a jerk. I hate the Patriots. That's deranged. It is deranged. <laughs> That's true. All right, we do there is a game. There is a game that the Broncos will be playing on Sunday. I might get to watch it because they play the Indianapolis Colts. And so, you know, being from the Midwest, it's a possibility that it'll be on TV, but I I don't know why uh, anybody would want to put that product out on television. But we should probably at least talk about the game. We should at least mention it a little bit.
1: I have to mention that I picked up the Colts defense. Smart, so did I.
0: Yeah, so did I. Yeah, that's, I mean, what else were you going to do? Uh, yeah, I got the Colts' defense going. I still have Buffalo's defense. I don't know. Buffalo's defense scared me a little bit against the, the Dolphins, but then they, they picked it back up. So, All right, they're going to play the Colts. Let's actually talk about it. Uh, we talked about keys to the game. Um, we, we do this every week. I, I I mean, we should probably continue to talk about keys to the game, but,
1: I mean, does it matter? Does it Not matter? Not really. No. But my key to the game is whatever they did against the Chiefs, do the opposite.
0: Yeah, mine was sort of similar, I think, because mine was uh, Joe Flacco needs to learn how to read a defense and pick up a hot read and throw to the, the hot receiver uh, and pick up a blitz uh, by the time they play the Colts because he's going to see a lot of blitzes and he's going to find himself on his back many, many, many times against the Colts. If the Broncos allowed the Chiefs to do that to them, think what this Colts defense could do to them.
1: Just look at what the Colts did against the Chiefs in Kansas City on Sunday night football against Patrick Mahomes.
0: Sure, they actually injured him uh, so that the Broncos would have an easier time playing against him, and they still screwed that up. So, ugh, oh, not fun. All right, let's move on from that. Let's do players to watch. You got a player to watch? Uh, let's start on defense.
1: I, I, I'm i going to go with A.J. Johnson, I, I think, or Alexander Johnson. I think he – I, as I did in the winners and losers, I didn't list any winners. That doesn't take away from how well Justin Simmons and Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay played in the heart that they showed. I think Alexander Johnson is in that boat. I want to see him continue to to be the Dino, which is his nickname. I want to see him continue to eat and make a name for himself to where Vic Fangio, John Elway, Matt Russell – have no choice but to keep him as one of the starting middle linebackers going forward. So I, I want to see what he's able to do on the road against the Colts, against a fairly good and surprising Colts offense with Jacoby Brissett and, and Marlon Mack and that incredible Colts offensive line. So I I, I want to see what Johnson's able to do um, – against that Colts offense and and whether or not he's able to continue to build on what he's done the last three weeks.
0: I like it. Uh, I, I, do, I do like that. I'm actually going to do one that's a little more sentimental. I know how much you don't like sentimentality, but I'm going to use it here. Uh, there's two players that I think Broncos country should uh, pay attention to Uh, in the upcoming weeks especially, but this week for sure because this may be your last opportunity. And and In fact, the way things are going, you might not have this opportunity, but uh, Chris Harris Jr. and and Derek Wolf, um, they are probably going to get traded, right? I mean, that's kind of the direction that the franchise is going. There's lots of talk out there, and so by the time uh, the game rolls around, they may not even be on the field, but if they are, watch them because you won't get to watch them in orange and blue for much longer. Uh, And so enjoy that. And then if you want to watch somebody uh, be the future of the Broncos, I think go ahead and watch Justin Simmons because every week, every week he shows that he is a uh, Pro Bowl caliber safety, somebody who is going to anchor that defensive backfield for a few years for the Denver Broncos. Hopefully they'll turn things around and he'll be able to anchor a defense that is winning games rather than a defense that is – that is not winning games because the offense can't score points. But uh, sentimentally speaking, go ahead and watch Chris Harris Jr. And, and Derek Wolf and remember the good times. Remember the good times. They they were fun for a while, and, and they're going to be gone soon. So enjoy it. Uh, offensively, I, actually,
1: I, I oh, absolutely oh, like that. And I think that ties into one of the things to watch because Chris Harris Jr. only needs one interception to join Mike Harden as the only Bronco with multiple interceptions in eight consecutive seasons, so One that'd more. be that'd be quite the way to, to potentially end his career as a member of the Broncos. Sure, and I I, I really do I, I like those two, and I I'm not an old curmudgeon. I I, I totally get the mentality. We're working on old well, curmudgeon. We'll get there. Come on. <laughs> I, I I do I, I do like those choices for me offensively. Garrett Bowles. Because if he's playing, hopefully it's the last. I I, I just I don't understand any of it. I, I just I don't get it. And you you touched on it before we started recording. And I, I said that I, one of the things that this whole thing is really making obvious is how big of a difference it would have made had the Broncos picked Quentin Nelson over Bradley Chubb. And for those who have listened to this podcast, know how much I loved Elway grabbing Chubb. But when you get a chance to grab a Quentin Nelson over a Chubb, you probably draft a Quentin Nelson because then you have an offensive line that has two guards and Dalton Reisner and Quentin Nelson. But then you made it even worse by highlighting the fact that the Broncos should have taken Ryan Ramchick instead of – Garrett Holds.
0: Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to, to rub a little extra salt in that wound, but that I mean, could you imagine Ramchick, Nelson, and, and Reisner all on the same line? It would have been I, I mean, Joe Flacco probably wouldn't look as horrible as he does if the offensive line was a little bit better. Not that he's I I I don't want to make this about Joe Flacco, but obviously that would have been that would have been a nice offensive line to build around, right? That's 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 the idea. Um I think I'm gonna go with uh I don't know. You know what? Let's go with Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton has a chance now that uh, Emmanuel Sanders is gone to step into the solid number two role as a, a wide receiver, and maybe he can maybe he can you know show out a little bit. Maybe he can pop on on the on the screen. Uh, Joe Rolls, uh, who we talked about his uh, roundtable, obviously uh, he posted a, a video. Uh, it was one of his ones that wrong answers only video of uh, whose fault is this with Joe Flacco throwing a terrible ball. Uh, And it was one where Deshaun Hamilton was running wide open down the middle of the field, flailing like he was drowning. Uh, He was so open. And I would like to see if he can perform. That's kind of where we're at now with this team, is which guys are going to be able to fill roles that are going to be vacated by vets, which guys are going to be able to step up, which guys are going to be able to uh, you know, sort of pick up the mantle and move this franchise forward. And Deshaun Hamilton is the number two behind Cortland Sutton now. Cortland Sutton has, has solidified himself as the number one. Can Deshaun Hamilton say, look, we've got a one-two punch here. We can build in other places to make this offense better. And and that's the hope at this point, that
1: that's, that's where that will go. So Deshaun Hamilton's my guy. Another player to keep an eye on, and he hasn't played this season, is Jawan Winfrey. I think he has the ability, the potential, the work ethic, to be a number two receiver for the Denver Broncos if Deshaun Hamilton continues to falter and drop touchdowns like he did against the Raiders to open the season. And then I'm going to add in another player. I'm going to throw in, speaking of drops, I'm going to throw in (laughs) Noah Fant. If he continues to struggle like he did on Thursday night against the Chiefs, because we touched on this. I I, I totally appreciate how difficult it is to learn the tight end position because you're basically learning two positions, receiver and offensive line. But you can't drop the ball three times. That has nothing to do with learning a position. That has nothing to do with learning a position. Yeah. If he continues to struggle, it's just going to make the bust talk grow even louder. And I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm just saying, you cannot drop the ball three times, no, especially on a couple of those catches that completely change field position and potentially how the game eventually goes, because the offense was, as you said, Buttery, lifeless, lifeless,
0: dead, DOA, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I get you. Uh, I yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm not. I'm not one of those people that's going to jump on a rookie tight end for anything. I, I just. I think that if you're if, if your season is hinging on the actions of a rookie tight end, you've already fallen into a gigantic pit and uh, everything is over already. So just, you know, but I get where you're going with that. And you're absolutely right. Uh, if he struggles again, we, we see it all the time from, from guys that we write with, right. That, that are quietly sort of pointing out that they believe he's going to be either a bust or just a jag, right. Just a guy. So Uh, That's kind of an interesting way to
1: look at that. Uh, I think one of the things, and we touched on this, we touched on it on Thursday, one of the things that I think makes it so glaring is when you see how Devin Bush has been playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that, because whether it's fair to Noah Fant or not, he is going to be connected to Devin Bush for the entirety of their careers in the National Football League well not just devin
0: bush devin bush and tj hawkinson because tj hawkinson and 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 uh, noah fant gosh i couldn't get that out played together right they they came from the same school and uh, you had some scouts who were high on one and some who were high on the other and so those two guys along with devin bush are are sort of going to be sort of intertwined, not Hawkinson and, and Bush, but you've got Hawkinson and Fant, who he's always going to be compared to, right? And then you've got Fant and Bush. And the fact that uh, Bush is is an impact player, at least he has shown the ability to be an impact player with the Pittsburgh Steelers so far this season. He's made some impact plays. So I get where exactly where you're going with that. And it's actually twofold for him on that because of those two different players that he's sort of contending with, even though they're not almost ever on the same field together. So it's difficult for him to begin with and go ahead and double that up for him.
1: And the thing that's interesting is the stats between Hawkinson and fat are basically identical. Yeah. Similar point. Yeah. Pretty much the same
0: rookie tight ends. Again, if you're, if, if, if you're basing your idea of success for this football team on what your rookie tight end is doing, uh, you're doing it wrong. That's just all there is to it. But next year, Go ahead, judge all, judge, judge away, kiddos, judge away. All right, so before we pass judgment on the gay, upcoming game and do our game predictions and do a quick wrap around the league, let's go ahead and take a, a brief commercial break and then come back and, and jump back into that. All right, we're back and it's predictions time. Let's go ahead and and jump in on that. Um, I'll go. I'll go first. Ian, thirty-one nine, Colts and. Uh, The only way the Broncos score any points
1: is by kicking field goals. Isn't
0: that sad? That's
1: kind of where I'm at right now. And my score prediction is 34-9 Colts. And I have the touchdown being a Chris Harris Jr. pick six. Brandon McManus misses the extra point, but then makes a field goal. Like, is it a long field goal is it like uh
0: like a like a 48 or a 50 yarder or is it a just a little 25 yard chippy
1: Uh let's go with a 34 yarder 34 yard field goal for Brandon McManus
0: I think he's going to hit two uh field goals inside 40 yards and I think he'll get one from 55 That's that's uh that's my bold prediction as well why not like I don't care what I <laughs>
1: Whatever, let's do a bold prediction. Sure. Uh, he gets one from 55.
0: There, that was exciting.
1: My bold prediction is Garrett Bowles gets four holding penalties called on him and allows four sacks.
0: Dang, that's mean, but also probably accurate. All right. Truth hurts, right? Is that kind of where we're at with that?
1: Holding number 32 or 72. Yeah. If you haven't seen the meme going around on social media, that's actually a jersey and Broncos orange holding 72.
0: Nice. I like that. I am going i haven't seen it, but I will definitely look it up because that's hilarious. Uh, all right, let's do a quick whip around the league. Let's see what's going on, AFC West style, and then also uh, any games that sort of stick out to you. Um, just looking down the schedule, you got Chargers at the Bears. You have the Raiders at the Texans and the Packers at the Chiefs. Uh, Super Bowl rematch, if you will. Uh, Which one do you want to talk about first?
1: I think the Packers are going to blow out the Chiefs because they're not going to have Patrick Mahomes. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go off. He's going to do to that Chiefs defense what we all thought that the Broncos and maybe Joe Flacco could have done. But now we know better. Yes, and uh, the Packers' defense is not going to be like the Broncos and make Matt Moore look like Joe Montana.
0: Oh, it was just terrible. That was just terrible. I don't even know why we're still talking about it, other than because we are uh, – what else can we talk about? Um, yeah, I, I do agree. I think the Packers are going to go into uh, Arrowhead, and I think they're going to snag a win. It's a Sunday night game, which you know, primetime games are always a little bit um, concerning, but I, I don't think this one's going to be a problem. You're missing your, your best player. And when your best player is your quarterback and he's not in the game, your team tends to struggle. So I think that uh, the Packers go in and get a win against the Chiefs for sure. Uh, what
1: will Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels slurp on now that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick not playing? Patrick Mahomes?
0: They'll slurp on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they, they, they do have Aaron Rodgers there, who they also slurp on. Uh, but, the yeah, they will, they will talk uh, incessantly about how different the game would look if Patrick Mahomes had been healthy. That will be – the point of emphasis for that entire broadcast uh, about, oh, what would you have done here with Patrick Mahomes? Oh, if Patrick Mahomes had been in the game, it would have looked like this. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, get off of him. Just get off of him. Leave him alone. He, he's, he's injured. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I'm i I'm done with, with the way that broadcasters slurp on players. They didn't used to do that. We've talked about this. They didn't used to do that. They do it all the time now.
1: I actually think the AFC West is going to go 0-4 on Sunday. Oh, I, I think the Chargers are going to get absolutely manhandled by the Bears after what the Saints did to them. And then I think the Texans are going to be a little teed off about what happened to the Colts, so they're going to beat the Raiders. So yeah. I think the AFC West goes 0-4. Oh,
0: and 0-4 an in the AFC West. I'd be fine with that at this point. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do have a tendency to agree with you. Although, I will say the Chargers – do have more of a chance than I think you're giving them against the Bears because the Bears' offense with Mitchell Trubisky as quarterback has been horrendous, just horrendous. And so I have I have no faith in that offense. So I think the Chargers could sneak a win in there, but I actually uh, think that while it's a chance, I don't think it's a great chance, and I think the Bears probably are able to use their defense and, and get away with a win there. And then I agree with you. The Raiders are not a good football team, and the Texans are. So I think the Texans win that game at home on on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, against a what I think is a bad Raiders team. I don't care what their schedule or their standings say; It don't matter to me. Uh, any other games that you
1: see pop out at you? I'm curious to see what Sean Payton and the Saints do with Drew Brees because Teddy Bridgewater has gone five and zero since Drew Brees got injured which is just incredible to me. And they did what they did in Chicago without Alvin Kamara. So I think I I am going to be paying attention to what Sean Payton does with Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater because after they play the Cardinals, they have a bye. So it would make sense, and I know my wife is going to be keenly – Paying attention to what Sean Payton does because she has Teddy Bridgewater on her fantasy team, and I'm telling her if Drew Brees is able to go, he's going to go. It doesn't matter if they have a buy the week after the Cardinals game or not. He's going to play. He's Drew Brees. If Drew Brees says he can play, he's going to play. So I, I'm going to be I'm going to be fascinated by what decision they they make in terms of that, um, and then. I think that's
0: pretty much it. Yeah, I don't see anything that pops out to me. Maybe the 49ers Panthers game to see uh, if Emmanuel Sanders has a good game. You know, if we're being sentimental, we might as well continue our sentimentality and uh, watch watch, uh, Emmanuel Sanders in his. Uh, first game with the 49ers and, and yeah aside from that I don't really see anything that I'm super interested in maybe Buccaneers Titans but that's because I own both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and it sure would have been nice to have them in fantasy football this week just saying
1: so I think I think something to keep an eye on is what that Patriots defense does to Baker Mayfield because what Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense just did to Sam darnold yeah that was mean and and the way that Baker Mayfield is giving away interceptions over his first two years in the National Football League, yeah, I i, I would be playing that Patriots defense, especially in Foxborough.
0: Yeah, I, can't, I cannot agree with you more on that. That's going to be scary right before Halloween.
1: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always... Go Broncos!